Welcome to another episode of the Open Doors Live podcast with your hosts, Mike Gore, James Cazina, and Jocelyn Gotto. For more information, head over to opendoors.org.au or opendoors.org.nz. Hello, everybody, and welcome to the first episode of the Open Doors Live podcast for 2020. It is Mike Gore here in the studio with our co-host, as always, Josh Gotto. Hey, it is so exciting to be back for another year. Thank you so much for tuning in to the Open Doors Live podcast. All our regular listeners, thank you for all of your love and support for this ministry. And if you're new with us today, thank you for tuning in. We love having you with us. For almost 30 years now, Open Doors has been releasing an annual ranking of the most difficult places to follow Jesus. We call it the World Watch List. And today, that's what this episode is about. We've found that persecution in the last year is only increasing, with one in eight Christians experiencing a high or extremely high level of persecution, which is why this podcast and this ministry is so important, because now more than ever before, we need to stand together as one body and one church. In fact, I'm sitting here with a quote from one of our beautiful supporters, and it says, When I was 13, one of the final things my opa, my Dutch grandfather, said to me from his hospital bed was that if ever there is a ministry to support, it is open doors. He said that Jesus isn't coming until persecution increases, and that we need to stand with our brothers and sisters of the persecuted church until then. A decade later, and his words are still resonating in my heart, because I know it is what Jesus would say to do. Joss, isn't that a beautiful picture of the heart of so many of the people who serve our ministry? It is. Isn't that just so amazing? And what a beautiful legacy for that Opa to leave behind into the faith of the next generation to come. And what we've found in our years of working with the persecuted church as a ministry since 1955 is that the persecuted church really are the most incredible mentors to our faith. And as we give to them to strengthen the church under persecution, their stories of faith, they encourage us to live bold, courageous and committed lives of following Jesus. So Mike, we should probably explain to our listeners what the World Watch List actually is. As you mentioned, the World Watch List is a list we put together every year of the 50 most dangerous countries to follow Jesus. But Christians in these countries can experience two different kinds of persecution, pressure and violence. Violence is an obvious form of persecution. It's harassment or attacks on Christians that they experience because of their faith in Jesus. This can involve things like kidnappings, church bombings, or violence within the home from family members who oppose Christianity. And then there's pressure, which is the kind of persecution that we don't necessarily think of. However, it is just as if not more, effective. Pressure can mean that the government makes laws that don't allow you to own a Bible or to teach your children about Jesus or to attend church. Experiencing pressure for your faith could also look like being sentenced to prison for evangelizing to a Muslim or someone from another faith or having your spouse divorce you and take away your children because you've decided to give your life to Christ. It's really interesting, Joss, because I've so many people talk to me about persecution in terms of violence. But in the last 10 years working with the persecuted church, I would say the acts of nonviolent persecution are far more effective in suppressing the gospel than acts of violent persecution. If I think about Western cultures, what affects the church here? It's not violence. It's the pressure of being a Christian in our cultural context. Because culture it so often forces us to suppress our faith to the private parts of our life, rather than drawing us out into a public profession of faith. And that's an impact of nonviolent persecution, where we take our faith from the public world into the private world, because we're more worried about winning the popularity of our friends and family than we are about sharing 
the gospel of Jesus. But to give you another example of the impact, I guess, of non-violent persecution, we could look at Iraq. ISIS, as many of us know, they've been on the back foot now. Towns and cities, they've been liberated, yet Christians are continuing to leave. Not just because of the long-lasting effects of war, but because people often discriminate against Christian businesses, making it impossible to remain and support your family. Sometimes it's difficult to access aid or community resources. It can be hard to simply get your Christian children accepted into school. So it's not always violence that makes life difficult in the persecuted church. Yeah, Mike, that's exactly right. And it is so interesting for us to think about the way that persecution and Christianity, for that matter, can look so different in different parts of the world. And I thought before we do anything else, we could run through the top 10 countries from the 2020 World Watch. Sounds good to me. One. North Korea. North Korea has been the most dangerous place to follow Jesus since 2002. 2. Afghanistan. Officially, there are no local or native Christians in Afghanistan, and if your faith is discovered, you could be sent to a mental institution or even killed. 3. Somalia. There is no safe place in Somalia for Christians, and all believers must practice their faith in secret. 4. Libya. The lack of law and order in Libya has allowed organized crime to thrive, making Christians vulnerable to being attacked or even kidnapped. Five, Pakistan. Christians in Pakistan are considered second-class citizens and many live in poverty. Six, Eritrea. Eritrea has no religious freedom. Church leaders and Bible teachers are often placed in prison or labor camps without a trial. Seven, Sudan. The law punishes conversions from Islam to another religion by death. 8. Yemen The church in Yemen is mostly Christians who converted from Islam. 79% of the population lives below the poverty line and non-Muslims rarely receive emergency relief. 9. Iran In Iran, it's too dangerous to own a Bible or to meet with other Christians. 10. India Opposition to Christianity has reached unprecedented levels in India. Branches of government even encourage the persecution of Christians. But today, we want to take a closer look at the most secretive country on the planet. Like we mentioned earlier, North Korea has been the hardest place to be a Christian for 19 years in a row. Almost two decades, Joss. That is crazy, isn't it? If you think about what you were doing two decades ago, how much younger you were, what your life looked like, for that country to have remained as the number one hardest place to be a Christian for all those years, it's unimaginable, really. North Korea is one of those incredibly interesting places. I just cannot even imagine what it would be like to go there, let alone to live there. Before we dive in, Mike, I had a couple of interesting questions and facts about North Korea that I thought I would see if you or any of our listeners know the answers to. Sounds good. Let's I know go. I love a good game. Well, I love a good game, <laughs> particularly when it's about something as serious as North I Korea. <laughs> what is the most popular sport in North Korea? I'm going to go with badminton. I reckon that's actually a really good guess, but okay. it's not true. Yeah. <laughs> Rollerblading. Rollerblading? Do you feel like that's a sport or is it like a hobby? I think North Korea probably turned it into a sport. Yeah, that's true. I, I, used guess, to you have could, a... I guess you could race. Yeah, I used to have a set of rollerblades. Did you race? No. <laughs> okay, moving right along. North Korea holds a national election every five years. True or false? It feels like a far more serious question than the first one, so I'm going to go with true. Yes, you're right, correct. But the only candidate is Kim Jong-un. Of course it is. And if you choose to vote against him, you have to put your ballot into a separate box and that is considered an act of treason. How many ballots do you think go into that box? 
you, that's basically a death sentence Absolutely. to go do that. Yeah, that's wild. And I, this is not a question, but I have one more interesting fact for you. I look forward to hearing it. North Korea has its own time zone. Wow. Mm. I didn't know that. That's all the interesting facts I've got for you about North Korea. I found it very interesting, thank you. But bringing some kind of normality back to the podcast, one of the things is is that it is indisputably, for the last 20 years, a country where for Christians it is extremely difficult to follow Jesus. And, you know, I've spent a lot of time, Joss, with a North Korean believer. Her name is Hei Wu. She's 69 years old when I was spending time with her, an amazing woman of faith. I mean, she's five foot nothing, but she is one of the most passionate, energetic people I've ever seen. I remember when we had her actually out here in Australia doing some speaking and at one of the churches, I kind of lost sight of her and didn't know where she'd gone. And the next thing I know, I find her outside playing handball with the kids. <laughs> and it was just hilarious to see this uh, woman, first time she'd been outside of uh, North Korea speaking was Australia. And here she is just jumping around and giggling and laughing with these children, a beautiful, beautiful picture that I won't soon forget. Mm. But her life story is anything but pretty. Hey Wu uh, grew up in North Korea. She had a 21-year-old daughter who uh, died because of starvation wow. in her own house. She gave her life to Jesus. She fled the country, was caught and repatriated to North Korea. She then spent... Um, many years being moved around between nine North Korean labor camps. I remember sitting with Hei Wu and she was telling me about life in those camps and would often say that prisoners in those camps as a form of punishment would be taken to the pit toilets, thrown into them, and the guards would watch them drown in feces. That was a punishment. She said she lost so many friends that way. Other people would be killed on a daily basis. And she said the bodies would just be left around these prison camps. And as she walked to her daily duties, she said, I remember a big tractor would be driving along the road with guards just picking up bodies and throwing them in. But she says, as people would go to pick one up, they'll pull on an arm and an arm would just come off and they'll throw the arm into the trailer and then they'll sort of pick up the rest of the body. They'll burn the bodies. They'll scatter the ashes on the, on the path that she walked to her daily duties. And she said to me, I remember thinking to myself, one day, people will simply be walking over me. What was incredible about Heiwu's story was in the middle of these kind of conditions, she started a church. In fact, the people that she led to the Lord, she would pray, she would ask the Lord to give her a name, and then when the Lord gave her a name, she would talk to that person and that person only about faith or Jesus. They would then agree to meet in the pit toilets because the smell was so horrible the guards wouldn't go there unless they had to. And when they were there, she said they'd sing songs, they would share scriptures they knew, and that was where they had a church in this labour camp. And she told me about another time where she was sitting in a cell with about 30 other people, and the guards came to the cell. She closed her eyes and prayed, and said every day these guards would come, they'd read a list of names, you'd be asked to leave and you'd never return. And she was praying and she said, Lord, please don't let my name be called out and help me share the gospel with people. And as she closed her eyes, she had 30 names called out. And of the 33 people sitting in the cell, when she opened her eyes, the only other people in the cell were the people the Lord told her to share the gospel with. And so she continued to share the gospel with these people and started church in the North Korean labor camp. When Hei finally escaped one of these camps, she, through ice and snow, had to cross a river. She said she couldn't swim. She kind of woke up and she was on the other side of the riverbank. She thought she had drowned. 
and she realised she was just laying on the other riverbank and there was a big electric fence and she thought, I've come so far, I can't believe I'm going to fail now. So she walked along this fence, eventually she found this big log that was on the ground and she said, I put it into the electric fence and I sort of put all of my weight on it and pried open a gap in the bars. And then she crawled through that gap and she collapsed on the field on the other side. A car drove past, found her, restored her to health and now Hei Wu went to Bible college, became a pastor and now has started a ministry back to North Korean believers. I mean, this woman, pastor at 69, strong ministry. She said one of the greatest heartbreaks in her life was she remembers growing up with her mother and she, her mum was rubbing this chain around her neck and muttering to herself. And hey, we always thought, I never knew what mum was doing. Once she became a Christian, she realised mum was actually had a chain of a cross around her neck and was walking around the kitchen praying for us. And she said one of her deepest regrets is that she was never able to talk about her love for Jesus with her mum because in North Korea it is so secretive that you don't even know if your parents are Christian. Wow, that's amazing. And you mean talk about finding God's purpose for your life to become a pastor at 69 and to live through all of that with such incredible conviction that Jesus Christ is the king of the world, the savior, the one who was and is and is to come. And, you know, I find it so challenging and convicting. I've heard Heiwu's story many times, um, but do I hold to the name of Jesus as steadfast as that? Would I um, experience one, even one or two of the things that she experienced and still hold on to my faith in the way that she does? And I just think she's an incredible hero of the faith um, and a perfect mentor for us of what it looks like to truly keep on following Jesus courageously with passion and just an utmost commitment to the gospel being shared no matter the cost. Yeah, well, look, and for our listeners, we have a far better version than the way I just told it to you as a video that we have on YouTube. I'll get Beth, our producer, to put a link in the show notes. So if you want to show Heywoo's story in your church, uh, you're welcome to. We have a great video about her story, her testimony, and I'm sure it will be a huge encouragement to all of you listening today. So as we wrap up our first episode for 2020, I'd love you to set up your year right you can head to opendoors.org.au and check out the World Watch list, find out more details on the 50 most difficult places to follow Jesus. But in addition to that, I'd love you to sign up for our free devotional on purpose. It's the first time I've ever done it. And the team and myself have put together a beautiful devotional that you'll receive in your email, addresses all those big questions that we might be asking ourselves at the start of this year, but even how best to follow Jesus. Who am I? Why am I here? Why is this happening to me? Where is God in suffering? Has he given up on me? It's why the persecuted church serve as the perfect mentors for our faith. They've counted the cost of following Jesus and concluded that beyond a shadow of a doubt, he is absolutely worth it. Amen. I love the sounds of that devotional. And to me, it sounds like the perfect timing because if you're anything like me, you signed up for things on the 1st of January and then went away, went on holidays and kind of forgot about them. And now as the year is starting to kick into gear, I really want to be starting to set up my devotion times properly again in my schedule. So if you want to um, sign up for that devotional, you can head to opendoors.org.au forward slash purpose dash devotional. Thanks again for listening to Open Doors Live podcast and we'll catch you again next month. Thanks for listening to Open Doors Live with your hosts, Mike Gore and James Kazina. Because of your support, we're able to bring the persecuted church to life. For more information, head over to opendoors.org.au.